This is the Family Crisis Podcast. I'm your host, Jody Schelling. Are you a mom who is tired of taking full responsibility for your entire family's health and happiness? This is the place where we unpack all that guilt, shame, and thoughts about you as a mom and show you how to live a life of purpose, even in family crisis. Hi there, moms. This is episode seven, and this is the plan. We all need a plan. (laughs) One of the things that I talk with a lot of moms about is and it really is a helpful helpful tool, is having a plan for any time where we want to have more control of a situation or at least focus on the part of a situation that we can control because we know that there are so many situations and events that we cannot control. So this episode is going to be coming out, I think, on Christmas Eve And as we plan, especially this year for a holiday celebration, I shared last week how we were trying to get creative to be respectful and trying to have an understanding that everyone in our family has different comfort levels and trying to find a way to focus on what is important and still be able to connect with everyone and celebrate together in a safe way. But this week, I am taking the planning piece a little bit farther. And this is not just for a holiday celebration, but the idea of having a plan as a family is one of the tools that I feel like is so useful and helpful when we are dealing with the unpredictability of having someone with either managing emotional dysregulation. I mean, everybody, I think, even if we are feel like we are managing our mental health well, we all do better when we have a plan that we know what our response will be ahead of time. So I'm going to share a couple of examples of this using the planning for what often can happen with a big event where you're having people getting together. So what I like to do is I like to first think about what's the most important thing we need to plan for in a situation where safety could be an issue. And I don't like to feed into the stereotype that people who have a mental health diagnosis such as bipolar disorder or borderline personality, severe depression, schizophrenia, any of the the diagnoses that we hear have some connotations often and stereotypes that go with that that I don't want to feed into, but I also want to recognize that safety is still a high priority for anyone who is fighting some type of an illness where invasive thoughts and things that affect their behavior often cannot always be in their control. They're not always in their control. So recognizing that without judging people, but just being practical about having a safety plan is the approach I think that we can be respectful of not 
promoting those stereotypes, but also recognize that if there is the potential for, you know, some type of a situation where people could be physically in danger or anything that could be construed as an unsafe situation, we can think about that from a place of, you know, let's be smart about this and be prepared and have a plan. One of the reasons this is so important is because in the moment, people will tend to often freeze. I'm a person who's guilty of this, and I definitely will go into a mode of just don't do anything when there's a you know, potential situation where it's getting volatile and somebody's either going to pick up an object and throw it or something like that. I will tend to freeze instead of act immediately. We all have our own kind of default responses in those situations. And people who freeze can make the situation more dangerous. So teaching ourselves to plan ahead and to know if X happens, then this is what we will do. And this might include, depending on what kinds of behaviors you've seen happen when emotions are running strong and someone is really dysregulated, you know, a lot of times we will see yelling and, you know, definitely we will have some F-bombs and some severe language getting tossed around, but that's more of an emotional safety plan. And we'll talk about that next. But for a physical safety plan, a lot of times a really good plan is to have a code word that is shared that doesn't escalate the person who's already dysregulated, but the code word can be something that you can say in normal conversation that everybody in the family knows that they follow their plan. So that might be where there's an extra set of keys, everyone knows where those are, and the adults who can drive in the family need to go make a run for ice cream or whatever. And, you know, people leave. A lot of times that's one of the, the best ways to de- de-escalate a situation is to to just separate, to just get everybody farther apart. And knowing ahead of time that that's the plan can really be a safe way to help the person who's dysregulated calm down. There isn't an urge or a prompt to to continue to have a conflict. When people leave, that just eliminates it. So that's really just one example of how to have a safety plan ahead of time where there's some things that are pre-decided and some things in locations that are ready. And another part of the safety plan might include having sharp objects not readily available and also thinking about the proximity of people in the house and Like we always, it's always useful and helpful to have an exit strategy at all times. And this is not just for a family who may have family members struggling with mental health. This could be in any situation, whenever you're in a new location, it's just really helpful to to know where the exits are, to know what your path might be. And it's not that you have to go around worrying all the time that something bad might happen, but it's just more like okay, just being aware of your surroundings and being smart about it isn't, in my opinion, it isn't being overly, you know, paranoid about it, but just being prepared and aware. So 
The second type of plan that I think is really helpful, especially with all of the conversations that can be really tricky and (laughs) can be, can escalate quickly with just the differences in opinions that we have right now that seem to be stronger than they've been in, in other years. It's just in the last four years, give or take, we've had this, what seems to be an escalation of differences of opinion and division um, politically and, and other things. So with all of that, an emotional safety plan is another thing that I think is really a great idea to have kind of ready to go whenever you're going to be in a situation where differences in opinion can happen and people can be really worried about how the conversation will come up and what a response might be. And so when I say an emotional safety plan, what I mean by that is when you are preparing to be safe and you have a safety kit, you know, a first aid kit, for example, you have those items ready and and stocked in your kit so that if a a situation did happen where you needed those, they're there and ready and you have it, you have it available. And the same thing can be with an emotional safety plan for knowing that you're going to have maybe some, you know, someone in the family bring up a topic and they're going to do, it's going to be something that emotionally sets you off and maybe makes you feel threatened or disrespected or offended in some way. And so being prepared for that and recognizing that even if someone brings up a topic you disagree with, that that you don't have to take offense, no matter what, no matter how they say it, taking offense is always in your control. And there are ways for you to be prepared and kind of think, well, what if they say this? And you can come up with an example for yourself that you know will be triggering and then you can be prepared to say, that's not something I want to talk about right now. Or tell me more about that. And, you know, think about these are things you can Google how to have a difficult conversation about politics, for example. Um, There's some really great resources and ways to prepare. That's my second suggestion as far as making a plan. Making an emotional safety plan is also really helpful. You can also apply that same principle of having an exit strategy. You can have one for exiting a conversation that you feel like is not productive. One of the best ways to do that is to say, I can tell this is something we really have different opinions about and we're both emotional about it. And so let's take a break and circle back and talk about this at a different time. When it's a special holiday, we can use that. (laughs) We can say, you know, maybe this isn't the best conversation for Christmas day, but I would love to talk more about it later. I'm really curious and I want to hear, I want to understand more where you're coming from. But for other family members, they want to lean into that conversation. And even if it is happening on Christmas, that's still okay. And if your family's in a place for that, I'm not saying that one or the other is better, but I think it's something to think about and plan for ahead. And then the 
other plan that I like to have is I like, I just like to decide ahead of time that I am going to enjoy, experience joy and create joy and just make joy a part of the plan one way or the other. It's like, I almost have this attitude, like it's Christmas. We are going to have fun, damn it. And I think that that's, it's worked for me, um, for many, many different occasions. If I go into something deciding that I'm going to get the best out of that situation, then I do. And so that doesn't mean that something bad doesn't happen. Of course, it doesn't mean that I have control over any of the circumstances that are external that I'm, you know, that are, that could come up, but I can choose how I am going to experience it. And there's always opportunities, even, you know, even if they're very short and small, there's opportunities even to make eye contact with somebody and connect with them. And if it's appropriate, depending on the situation, you know, find a place to have some humor added in or, you know, some fun. For me personally, I have recently noticed that I was holding back for many, for many years. I was in that kind of state of mind where I I was protecting myself emotionally to the degree that I wasn't allowing myself to feel joy. And so when I say having a, a plan for joy, sometimes having the plan for joy requires some work the night before to just kind of clean up our thoughts about a situation, um, to release some resentment that we may have harbored. It sometimes involves a little bit of grieving. And I think that we all know that you can't go into any situation and say, oh, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to be happy about it. I'm just going to think happy thoughts or whatever. We know that that's superficial and it just feels disingenuous to do that when it's just not honoring all the feelings that we may have about something. It just, it doesn't work. But that doesn't mean that we can't have genuine joy. It's just that we need to take care of those other emotions and acknowledge them and face them first. So as part of the plan for joy, sometimes what you can do, and this is before you plan to have the joy, another thing you can do is, I know for for me, one thing that I've learned and practiced is there's a lot of emotion around in the month of December for me around the family that I grew up with. So we all have our our family and our childhood memories with, you know, our own parents and siblings if we have them. And then we have our family as moms, which you know, for lack of a better word, it's kind of our it's our primary family, at least I think of it that way. I think of my primary family now as as me being the mom and I have, you know, my husband and my kids. I think of my origin, my family of origin is my me growing up with with my parents and my siblings. And the month of December brings up a lot of emotion for me around my what I call my family of origin because for one my my sister's birthday is December 15th and she died unexpectedly at age 17. And so that just always growing up thinking about 
her birthday being 10 days before Christmas was really a special part of our family traditions. And so I think a lot about her in the month. And so part of my being able to have joy in the month of December also involves me having some time to grieve. And that for me, it's it's just something where I, I like to look at my Christmas tree and look at the ornaments that are from when we grew up in the 70s. And I have those ornaments and I like to just, I always do this every year, sometimes on the 15th or sometimes not, but it's just part of my processing of that pain that's still residual, but it's still important to me. And so I need to do that every year in order to then make room for joy. And I think that's the case for family members who have anybody who may have a family member who's estranged is another um, is another part of being able to enjoy the holidays. I think we have to acknowledge if we have family members that we're not in contact with uh, for whatever reason, and whether that processing is having the kind of a similar you know experience of hanging a special ornament in memory of that person or to honor that person if they're still living, or if you have special candles. You know, there's different things that that you can do that are meaningful to you. And, and these are just ideas, but whatever, um, even if it's a journaling activity, if it's, there's some way that you can acknowledge the emotion and the person that you, that you are feeling that, you know, that sense of loss or grieving or disconnection with, there's something to be said about this time of year spiritually in being able to have forgiveness and having peace and goodwill and the things that we associate with that, with that time of year. I I know for me, I, I really feel such a pull at this time to make amends for anything that has happened. And, and I don't know if this is I don't know where this comes from to tell you the truth, but I, but I always feel like it's Christmas. Everybody gets a free pass at Christmas and that might not be helpful for some of you to think of it that way. Some of you might think the opposite of that. You might think it's Christmas. No one gets a free pass right now. Everyone needs to be on their best behavior and anybody who comes into a Christmas celebration and ruins it for everyone is, you know, they should be condemned. This is Christmas. And I felt that way at different times in my life too. I felt like, how could someone act however they're acting on Christmas of all days? But what I've learned and what I've now believe is that it serves me better. And honestly, it serves my whole family better where it's more about giving grace. When I say everyone gets a free pass, what I don't mean that I tolerate any type of behavior um, because I don't, but I do mean that part of that plan for joy is having the acceptance that people are people doing the best they can. I'll probably say that so many times on this podcast, but I really do believe it. I think it's, I think Brene Brown is one of the people who says it often, but when you think that people are doing the best they can, 
I, I know for myself, I think I'm doing the best that I can. And a lot of times it's not as good as I want it to be at all. But I think I look at other people who I just think that they are doing the best they can. Even the people who are really, really seemingly, you know, having the hardest time of all, I think, I think they are definitely doing the best they can. So for the plan for joy, the last thing I would suggest is when you can experience gratitude completely and just, you know, really deeply. I think it's a practice that we have to really take an intentional approach with because for myself, when I really want to get to a a deep, deep sense of gratitude, I have to concentrate. Honestly, I have to sit down and, and a lot of times I'll make a list of three things that I'm really, really thankful for in that particular moment or that day. And then I have to think about them from how my life is better because those things are in my life, how I really appreciate more than just saying I'm thankful or I'm grateful, but just appreciating how much that has impacted my life in a positive way or even changed the direction of my life or added immense value and just really concentrating on gratitude to that level. I think when you do that, you the joy that you feel just in that moment of feeling the gratitude is is really powerful. So that is what, as far as plans go, those are the three plans that are the most helpful for me and for my family. Like I said, whether it's helping for Christmas in 2020, which is going to be a memory for sure that we'll all be able to look back and it'll be one of those that we talk about. Or if it's just a regular day in your life where you want to have more of a sense of control over the part that you can control, right? So having a plan, whether it's a safety plan for physical protection or a safety plan for emotional protection, a plan for experiencing joy or any emotion that you want to intentionally plan to feel. These are the steps to do that. And I hope that these were helpful for you this week. I will be back next week, which will be New Year's Eve. Very exciting times. I know everybody is super excited about hope and all of the expectations for 2021. And I will share next week a really exciting topic that I have been working on that is called the crisis cycle. And I think that you will really be excited about what I have to share with that. I think it'll be a concept that we'll come back to a lot on the podcast and will be really, really helpful. If you love what we're doing on the podcast, you should come and join my free and private Facebook group called Family Crisis for Moms. It's where we dive deeper, study, and finally solve all the things we talk about on the podcast. It's next level work if you're serious about making a change. It's free and full of moms just like you who want a better life. So head over now and join us. The link is on my website in the top right corner. See you there.